चिपेन वाचा मल शरीर वैद्यक योपाकोत्तम प्रवर मुनीना पातंजलि प्राजलिरानस्मी So in the last class, we were studying the sutras, which deals with the vibhutis, the supernatural powers. As the yogi progresses in his spiritual journey, because of the intense power of concentration, many of the supernatural powers may develop. So it's not to encourage to develop those supernatural powers. These supernatural powers has been described in the yoga sutra it's actually there to warn us that we shouldn't get hoodwinked we shouldn't get sidetracked by this all these supernatural powers they may lure us and just take us off track of our spiritual journey so they are just the milestones they are not the ultimate goal in our spiritual journey so just to recapitulate we will start from the 35th sutra what it was speaking of let us read the sutra and we will have a very quick recapitulation satva purushayo atyantya asankirnayo pratyaya avisheshah bhoga pararthatvat swartha samanvayat purusha gyanam so what actually speaking of satva purusha satva means the buddhi the faculty of your intellect which speaks of your mind and the purusha this two generally we identify we think that my mind is my real identity so but these are atyantya asankirna asankirnayo they are separate but why they appear to be just alike pratyaya avishesha bhoga just because when one is placed in the proximity of the other they take up each other's characteristics just the example which is given in the scriptures again and again if you place a red flower in the proximity of a prism the prism appears to be red it doesn't get actually tinged by that red color it appears to be red similarly the mind actually is inert it by itself is not conscious it appears to be conscious because it is in association with the conscious principle the purusha which makes it appear as something conscious but actually it is not conscious so when we contemplate on the self swartha samya samyamat samya means samyam as we told is concentration dharana dhyana samadhi this three taken together is samyama so i cannot at the very begin go to the samadhi i start with dharana try to keep my mind fixed in the idea that i am that conscious principle i am in no way associated with the body mind complex i am just the observer the witness so this constant contemplation is swartha samyama so when i can do that at last what happens it's not easy it goes through the process of dharana dhyana at last it ends in samadhi what's that 
that in meditation at the very beginning you will find that though you try to keep your mind concentrated in one idea it very easily gets distracted our mind you will find is almost impossible to keep in one thought for long it's the monkey mind but if we go on trying our each that air why all those distractions are there in my mind because at some point of time i have thought them consciously whatever you think consciously they are never lost they remain as the latent impression as the samskara in your mind to sprout to just come up in your conscious mind again and again if your mind is just like a lake each and every conscious thought is like pelting stone on that conscious on that lake the moment you pelt a stone the leg gets agitated that's how the leg gets disturbed the leg gets disturbed by the pelting of the stones by all our perceptions and our thoughts conscious perceptions conscious thoughts that's one way and another way the bubbles coming from the bottom of the leg they are all the memories of the subconscious mind again and again i most probably tested a delicacy today i enjoyed it and i was not aware of it throughout my day i was busy with other things and while passing down the street in a restaurant or in some sweet meat shop i see that delicacy immediately that latent impression which was hidden that memory comes and disturbs my mind so these are the two ways the samskaras as memory comes back again and again to disturb my mind as my mind is filled with all those things when i'm trying to concentrate those things just comes and breaks my all my concentration so what's the way out is there any way that i can really practice concentration the only way to try again and again if you try again and again each and every attempt to keep the mind in one thought that is becoming samskara that is becoming samskara it takes time but in the process a time will come when we will find my mind is getting concentrated more and more so that's why swami vivekananda again and again is saying that the 3p is essential in our spiritual journey purity patience perseverance we cannot attain that concentration in one go we have to try again and again and again as you go on trying it becomes samskara and your mind becomes one pointed so that's what dharana dhyana samadhi speaks of that start with that concentration i try to keep the mind fixed it becomes intensified it becomes dhyana and when it still becomes more intensified it leads to samadhi what actually samadhi in samadhi has been spoken of as triputi bheda what happens all the concentration at last can lead to the state where you get identified with the object of meditation what's the samadhi actually speaking of in our day to day life we will find the more my mind gets concentrated the more the other thing falls off when i'm just talking to you when i'm just conversing with you someone calls me i can hear because just to converse with you only a small portion of my mind is required to be focused the remaining mind is free it takes care of all other activities but when i am watching the tv some my favorite game is going on i am watching intently someone calls me i don't hear what has happened the sound has entered through my ears but as most of my mind is taken away by the object of my focus so with a little portion of my mind remains to take care of other activities 
I do not hear. The sounds are here, entering my ears. Still, I don't hear. And if you have developed the love for something, suppose the music or art, and when you are doing it, you're so focused, you may find that the entire the hours have passed. You forgot uh, this, that you are hungry. You forgot that you are tired. That the part of the mind which is required to take care of bodily activities. Hunger is a biological alarm. Your tiredness is a biological alarm. The mind is taken everywhere object of concentration. So these things also falls off. So that's the state of videha. Though you are in body, you forget you are the body. That we give the example, a surgeon who most probably is waiting for bus in a bus stop. For some reason, he's there, he has to go somewhere. And in half an hour, his leg starts aching. The same surgeon, when he's performing a surgery in the operation theater, most probably it's a complicated operation. He's standing, performing the operation for eight hours. He doesn't drink a single glass of water, no food, no feeling of tiredness, no ache, nothing. The one who was tired just standing half an hour in the bus stop is now operating on a patient for eight hours. What has happened? Now the sense of necessity is there was a sense of necessity that when I'm operating, that little mistake will be at the cost of the life of the patient. The end of the scalpel with which I'm operating, I have to be very focused. A little, little, uh, this sense of necessity gives a tremendous focus. And from that focus, what is happening, the other things are falling off. Now for eight hours, you're standing, you don't feel tiredness, you don't feel hunger. The moment the operation is over, immediately you feel the hunger, the thirst, everything coming back. So this speaks, the more the focus, the more the other thing falls off. And how the focus comes from the sense of necessity. That's why even in the student life, the more we have the sense of necessity always in my mind, that why I'm studying. It's not something someone is forcing me, that's why I'm studying. There is a necessity. If I want to be established in life, this is a must. The more I have awareness of that, that necessity will give me the focus. And the more the focus, then you start, the students start enjoying the study. Why? Because it enters into the flow. Other thing falls off. That's a real happiness you get. When the, all the other bodily needs has fallen off, you have entered into a flow. And that's the same thing happens in dhyana. Dharana that your object of concentration has become so focused. Other things has fallen off. You are enjoying a sense of videha. Means though you are in body, you don't feel the body. You are in a constant state. Then what's the samadhi? At last, when the concentration becomes so focused that I can never get rid of the idea that I am. Can I get rid of the idea? That amness is always there. Whatever I am doing, I am, I am. That is something spontaneous. So in meditation, there is a three distinctions, even in intense meditation. What? Dhyan, dhyata, dhyaya. That the, the one object, which are object of meditation, the one who is meditating and the process of meditation. This three idea I have, at last what happens when my meditation becomes very intense, that ego, that little part of the mind, which keeps the ego contact, that I am this psychophysical existence, this amness, that also is taken away by your object of concentration. And you become as if one with the object of meditation, that I am meditating, that idea falls off. 
you become totally identified with the object of meditation as the ego part also falls off. That's leading to the samadhi, the ultimate samadhi. And when that happens, this is a sangyama. That's which leads you to your identification with the object of concentration. And that's what has been spoken of here as the sangyama. When you can just go to that type of absorption, that I am the self, I am the self, everything has fallen off. Then what happens? You get the purusha jnanam. These words are very important. Purusha jnanam doesn't speak of the ultimate realization. It's very interesting. When I am saying, I am not the mind, I am not the body, I am not the senses. Who is saying? It's the mind who is saying. That's the biggest paradox. It is the mind which is saying, I am not the mind. So that's not the ultimate realization. You have to go beyond the mind. But even if you have reached this stage, you're bound to get some wonderful supernatural powers. You have to be very aware of that. That will be spoken of in the next two sutras. What the 36 sutra speaks of? Tat Pratibha Sravana Vedana Adarsha Ashwada Varta Jayante. What are these? Pratibha. You become intuitive. You can whenever you can just foresee the future, what is going to happen in the future. You become something prophetic. That's Pratibha. The Sravana Vedana. You get supernatural power of hearing Vedana. You get the supernatural power of touch, Vedana. Adarsha, supernatural power of vision, seeing. Ashwada, supernatural taste. And Vartha, the supernatural smell. And you may say that here comes all the mystification of the yoga. It's not mystification. You will also understand. What happens, you know, very interesting. When the ego obliterates, we as a human being, we think we have one mind. There is no one mind. There are innumerable mental modules with fixed stimuli response conditioning. This is a, there is only one mind, the cosmic mind. Just to give an example, when you are working on the internet, all the information is available in the internet. If I'm a medical student, I download only the things which are required for me for my medical studies. It doesn't mean the internet has only that but my personality constitutes only that thing, what I am downloading. Similarly, when I am born as a human being with the ego that I am a human being of such and such family in such and such circumstances, I am downloading from the cosmic mind only those modules which are appropriate for the human birth. To give an example, you will understand it very nicely that we say Janmantarvad, we say that we are born again and again. And we evolve. Sometimes, most probably, we were in an animal body. Suppose I was a grazing animal, a cow. It may be in the, some past birth. And then in that birth, the grass was my food. That was my staple diet. So as per the theory of Janmantarvada, that all the samskaras are, are there hidden in my mind. So the samskara of the taste for the grass is supposed to be there in my mind. But as a human being, why don't I feel? Why don't I salivate when I see the grass? I'm supposed to salivate because as a samskara, it is there. Just the way I take a delicacy today, tomorrow I see it, I salivate. Once I used to relish the grass in some past birth, it is there. But I don't salivate in the human being as a human birth. Why it happens? Because as a very yoga sutra is very scientific. It has been described in the first chapter that when I am born as a human being, 
all those other these mental modules which are not suitable for the human birth they don't find expression only those modules which are suitable for the human birth they are finding expression the others are all hidden to give a common example even in our day to day life as a student most probably i was good in all the subjects i had interest in all the subjects but the moment because of my good grades i get chance in a medical college as a medical as a medical student in spite of the fact that i had liking for all the subjects all the liking this liking for all of the subjects will now gets shadowed only the liking for life science will become predominant as a doctor it will continue it's not that the other subjects i don't like it is there it is shadowed because they are not required for my present as a medical student they are not required so they are not at all visible they are all shadowed and then what happens in the when i am an established doctor most probably much later now i have sufficient leisure as a student i had love for music that may come back now so that's the idea which has been spoken of that in our mind so many things are all hidden why we are speaking this that as a human being only those modules which are appropriate for the human birth that only finds expression but there are so many other modules you also will agree that we can see only vibgio that from violet to red this is the range of light which are visible for a human being but in you can you can have an example the nocturnal animals if you go to the zoo where the nocturnal animals are kept you will find that it's dark and there's a red light is there where they're kept why that red light that's the light from where their vision starts they can see infrared light at night when i say it's dark actually it is not dark when the sun has set because of the diffraction of the sun rays still light is there but it is a very low frequency it is even below red the nocturnal animals can see below red their eyes are suitable for seeing the infrared light so they can see at night for us it is dark so there are mental modules in the cosmic mind which are suitable for that type of animals that type of birth so the nocturnal animals you can find that the dogs they can hear the ultrasonic sounds they have supernatural smell so these modules are there now when my eye has obliterated that i am only the psychophysical existence has obliterated when you constantly meditate or that i am the conscious principle then what happens all the bias falls off now all the modules become available to you you can that when as a medical student i download only the medical files but that doesn't mean i cannot download anything else i can so when your biases has fallen off all your biases for our identification with the human birth has fallen off you can download any of those mental modules and all those finds expression as the supernatural power so it is quite scientific it may come the more you get this identified by your meditation that i am the conscious principle they may come naturally why the yoga sutra is saying this uh, thing not to encourage us to develop that be don't be lured by it take it as a milestone it shows that you are progressing but don't get sidetracked by all those things that will be indicated in the next sutra what that te samadhau upasargaha vyutthane siddhaya they are the obstacles to samadhi but they are powers in vyutthana or the worldly state when you come back from meditation and if you get lured by them 
they may be appearing as power, but know it for certain, this, if you get lured by them, your spiritual progress stops. You won't proceed further. So till this, we studied in the last class. So we will now proceed to the next sutras. Though we just constantly say that the Yoga Sutra warns us that these supernatural powers are something which we should not be encouraged about, but we find them to be quite interesting. So what is the 38 Sutra speaking of? Bandha karana shaithilyat prachara samvedanat cha chittasya para sharira avesha. Bandha karana shaithilyat. So when you have that with that meditation that I am the conscious principle, your bond, your, your attachment with all the mental modules has fallen off. It has got weakened. Bandhakarana Shaitilya. They have got weakened. Then what happens? The movement of the mind over the nerves are known. This pra, prachara samvedanatcha chittasya. Means the mind need not be limited only to this body. When this bondage go, breaks off. We'll give a common example. We at present have the idea that my mind, my mind can only work through the nerves, isn't it? That now I just take a resolution to lift this water jug. What has happened after the resolution has got converted into nerve current, that nerve current is like electric current. It is passing through the nerves and at last contracting my muscles and helping it to lift it up. So it is a resolution which is getting con that converted into nerve current. That nerve current is in turn contracting the muscles. So I need the nerves, isn't it? I have the idea that without the nerves, most probably I cannot communicate. But Swami Vivekananda is giving a wonderful example that we have an idea that for electricity, the wire is required. But when there is a thunderbolt in the sky, when a tremendous voltage is generated because of the thunder, and a thunder arc is formed, that current is coming and reaching the earth's surface. Is there any need of wire? No. So when the voltage is very high, there is no need for wire. Even without wire, it can pass. So similarly, through meditation, when our mind becomes extremely focused, you need not have need the nerve currents. Even without that, you can just, uh, what you say, the transmit your nervous power to even enter into some other's body to even just uh, what you say, para sharira avesha, you can enter into the other's body. You can thereby know the his mind, his tendencies, and all those things are possible. So when you have got completely detached, your mind can travel out of your body. It can just enter into other's body and as if scan the mind, you may say, is it possible? In the internet, you search Edgar Casey. The Edgar Casey is very interesting. Edgar Casey was a Christian. He was not much educated. He was in states some 50, 60 years back. He was not much educated, but he was a devout Christian, had no idea of reincarnation, which belongs to the Hindu religion, which belongs to the Oriental religion. He had no idea. But suddenly he developed a wonderful faculty. What's that faculty? That he is known as the couch prophet. He, he will lie down and if anyone is having some medical condition, which the medical science doesn't know the answer of it, has no solution, he will be lying and that person has to be near him and he will suddenly say the remedy 
some herbs, some uh, some very house remedy, he will say, and it started working wonder. And there were throngs of people in America, people coming to him for cure. The medical board got suspicious. They kept a 24-hour observation. They found nothing as such fraud in him. His popularity grew more and more, Edgar Casey. He was, whatever he was diagnosing was coming to be true. Now, always they used to ask, what's the remedy? Now, they have, then the next, they are started asking why it has happened. And now all were amassed. He came from a Christian background with no idea of reincarnation. Now he started saying, in the past birth, he did such and such thing. Because of the karma, this is the result. All were just surprised at how come that they thought that all this idea, when you have already studied, most probably it may come. But he had no idea. He was not a very academic person, just a simple person with a Christian background. He started speaking that way. And there it was very interesting. As you know, in the Western world, everything, they keep it in this test. They will keep everything in as an experiment. When this person started saying that he was in such and such town just in the previous birth, 50 years back. And now very interesting thing, the records were available. All the records were available. In Edgar Casey, such, such an interesting thing. There were so many cases where when he told he in the previous birth was in such and such town, his name was such and such. It All the records has been found. So very interesting thing. And now what, how he used to do this, he, he told a very interesting thing. When he did the study on himself, he told in some previous birth, during most probably in the World War I, he, that from a, from a plane, he, had, he, had, he just, uh, the plane crashed and he fell in some desert. And there was no way he can go to the mainlands. He was thirsty, he knew he's going to die. And, but you know that till death, it was a quite huge suffering that most probably he will be continuing with his life for a few more days without food, without water, thirsty. So he thought that why not, after I'm going to die, after all I'm going to die, why not leave my body? So with simply with the willpower, he left his body and that's the faculty which he got in the next birth where he had that capacity to move out of his body and enter into the other's body and find out what all the problems they are having, why they are having, as if he's scanning. So this, this is something, even uh, you can, this Edgar Casey, it's a, they, they have a foundation, they have their own university. There's a lot of studies. Edgar Casey himself has died, but in his name, there is a foundation, there's a university with a lot of research papers. Now, it's still a, a something active which is going on with a lot of students. So these are something available that even in the life of Shankaracharya we find. When Shankaracharya defeated Mandana Mishra, the in Purva, the, he was from the school of Purva Mimamsa. Shankaracharya with the Advaita Vedanta from the Advaita school, he defeated Mandana Mishra. The umpire of the debate was Mandana Mishra's wife, Bharati. She told, very interesting thing, she told that I will declare you the winner only after you can defeat me. Shankaracharya accepted the challenge and now 
the wife of Mandana Mishra Bharati, what she did, she started asking questions about the married life, the relation between the husband and wife. Now Shankaracharya was a sannyasi. He was not at all aware of that. He was of course aware about the philosophy. So he told, give me a few months time, I will give you the answer. And he got the news that one king in the neighboring kingdom, the king's name was Amaruka. He has just died. Shankaracharya just hid himself in a cave and told his disciples to guard his body because he will be leaving his body and he will be just going and in, entering to the body that who has a uh, body of the king who has died. And that's how after entering to the body, he lived for a few more months to get an idea about the worldly way of living. And then he came and defeated Bharati. Whatever the story goes, the idea is that it is recorded in our scriptures that yes, when you have a tremendous detachment from your body, because of the idea that you are the conscious principle, you are not the body-mind complex. You are something behind it, witnessing it. You are because of your association. This body-mind complex appeared to be something conscious, but it is by itself inert. The conscious principle is behind it. Just the way the computer, the it go to the integrated chips. It looks like a dead log wood. Those who know nothing of computer, they will think it is just some dead material. But the moment the electricity passes through it, the entire it becomes as if unleavened. The entire world of virtual reality is projected out of it. Similarly, the mind is just like the computer chip is something inert. It's only when the conscious principle gets associated with it. The entire world, this world which we think to be real, is actually the, as virtual as the computer world. The modern science, the quantum physics, they all speak of that. We are, it is our mind which is projecting this world. The world which we see is not as it is there. Even those who have no knowledge of the quantum mechanics uh, at the present, at those advanced science, even with a simple example, we can explain everything what I see is made up by the mind. How? Just to give a common example, take a red flower. We think the flower is red. Is the flower red? There's no color outside. Very interesting, when the sunlight is falling on the flower, the sunlight actually is actually having various wavelengths of light. There is no color of, of or any of those wavelengths. They fall, all the wavelengths are absorbed. A particular wavelength is reflected back. That hits my eye. The, li the light doesn't enter the brain. The light function stops here. It gets converted into optical nervous current, which passes to the optic nerve. It is just a nerve current, which is going to your brain, which is totally dark. No light enters there. And when that optic nerve current reaches the color perception center, actually it is not perceiving color. It is only a particular nerve impulse going there. The moment it activates that so-called power uh, perception center, actually it is not perceiving. Immediately it projects that redness on the flower to give you a sensation that it is red. So the redness is produced by the mind. Your mind is a wonderful projector. It is not perceiving anything. It is not, it is perceiving, but it is not seeing what it is perceiving. What it is perceiving is just the projection of the mind. All the colors are the projection of the mind. Those who have a little aberration of the mind, those who are colorblind, they perceive in a different way. What is the reality? 
it is actually we are all hallucinating but when we hallucinate in the same way we vote it to be reality just the way in the world the majority wins here also the majority wins when i say red you say red everyone saying red one say green i say you are abnormal all other have voted for that yeah that is the correct thing it is called the so called reality is nothing but consensus reality we all consent yes it is red and it becomes red so this world is a projection of the mind constantly this is the thing which uh, we have to understand so what's happening so when when we can know that this conscious principle is the thing when it comes in association with the mind this of this world of name and form is projected and you can get dissociated from it that's the spiritual sadhana which is spoken of in our scriptures so there we find that once you develop that detachment now your mind need not have to pass through your brain through your nerve you have the capacity to just travel just the way from the transmission center your computer uh, your tv gets activated is there any wire no if i ask a child from where this picture is coming he may at last go behind the tv or he may go to the antenna and may think that from there just the way i think from the brain everything is happening no the mind is non local this just to give an example if your tv gets damaged if your tv gets damaged you buy a new tv and again you tune to the same channel which you were seeing are you going to see the same picture the same picture similarly body after body where it's damaged new body comes the mind is non local from there the same transmission comes and again we just uh, are we just behave in a way in which we are tuned so if the, when in a computer in a tv when you are tuned to a particular channel even if the tv breaks you buy a new tv and you just on the same channel you see the same thing so what where your mind is tuned that's your world so that's the thing that mind is something non local we are as if downloading from it and that's how the law of karma works the law of karma you that's that to understand that nowadays we are sending uh, the what is it this to the the land rovers in the mars very interesting i am not seeing it when i send the signal if it is working as per the signal it responds back then i have control over it but the moment it start it have some defect it is not working as per the signal i am sending i lose control over it it is going to be destroyed so similarly the law of karma works from this cosmic mind as long we are tuned with it we can maintain the integrity the moment we work beyond the rhythm it leads to the destruction so that's why it is been told just the way i cannot break the laws of gravitation can i break no if i say there is no gravitation and i jump out of a 20 story building am i going to fly no it is there it is going to act on me i am going to crash and die similarly all the moral laws laws actually is the by product of that cosmic mind in which it is tuned if i say i don't believe in that know it for certain the one who says i don't believe in gravitation the way he is not going to fly he is going to crash and die here also the same thing happens i am going to crash and die if i cannot break the laws at last you know i attempt to break the laws i break myself so that's the thing we have to understand so this is the thing which is been spoken of in this sutra very nicely bandha karana shaithalyat prachara samvedanaath cha chittasya para sharira avesha 
So you develop the capacity to move out of your body and you can even just relate uh, to the other's mind and as if you can scan their mind and that's the thing which has been spoken of here. So it is not encouraging, again we should say, it is not encouraging us to do that. It says it may so happen as you have developed that detachment, but you should know them to be something which is a milestone, which is showing that you are progressing, but you shouldn't get hoodwinked by them. So let's now proceed to the next sutra, the 39th sutra. This 38th sutra has a broader explanation also. When, the, uh, when our identification with the, uh, our body obliterates, sometimes we think if I can speak well, I can influence people. That's never the case. A professor can speak wonderfully with all the knowledge. Still, we will find he cannot influence others. And you know, Ramakrishna used to stammer. He couldn't speak properly. He used to stammer. And he used to speak in a very colloquial language that was not an academic language. And we find that the influence of Ramakrishna's language was there in his time. It is still going, uh, what is increasing day by day, more and more people are getting attracted. Same with Buddha, same with Christ. What it speaks of, the more you get disidentified with your body, now your mind starts influencing others spiritually for ages together. So that's the broader explanation of that sutra. So the next 39 sutra, Udana Jayat, Jala, Panka, Kantaka, Adishu, Asanga, Utkrantiche, Udana. This Udana is a very important thing. They say that we have five pranas. This prana, apana, this prana, apana, vyana, udana, samana. The vital force finds expression in five different ways. So we need not go to the others. Here the udana has been spoken. What is the udana? Uh, you will get a lot of explanation. The udana actually explains two things. That the gravitational force is such it is supposed to crush us. We are supposed to get crushed. Why we don't get crushed? Because there is some internal bodily pressure which is acting against the gravity. That keeps us intact. To give an example, you know, in the ocean, if you go, there are various levels of in the ocean where the living creatures, where the fish living in certain level can never go to the deeper level. You know why? it will simply get smashed. If the fish, which is in the upper level, if it goes to the deeper level, it will get smashed because its bodily, its inner body pressure is adjusted with the water, uh, this water pressure there. The more you go down, the pressure increases. You will just simply be crashed, smashed if it goes uh, in the deeper level. So there are various layers of existence in the ocean. The fish which says stays in the very deep waters, it can never come up, it will explode. Because its body pressure is so high, if it comes, it will explode. The same thing happens with us when you are in aeroplane, when you are in airplane, you will find that your ear starts aching. All the children chorusly starts crying because their ears start aching. Why it happens? The same thing. When you go up, your bodily pressure is there. When you go up, the upper atmospheric pressure is much less. And then what happens, this pressure is as, is as if like exploding out. It's first expression of the year, it finds the expression of the year, it starts aching. You will find it's a very common thing, it gets clogged. 
when you go to the moon surface we think it is our wet which speaks of our heaviness but when you go to the moon surface you start as if floating because your body pressure inside pressure is same but the gravitation is less so now you will start floating so this udana speaks of this internal bodily pressure something is as if trying to explode out which doesn't allow you to collapse under the atmospheric pressure so this again what happens when you through your spiritual practices totally disidentified from your ego you can relate to the mental modules of other animals which can live in different means other atmospheric pressures so as as a result what happened you by this by altering the bodily pressure you become quite light and then what happens you can as if walk over water jala ponka over the swamp and kantaka over the thorns and another thing this utkrantich you can die whenever you will that's a wow that's wonderful that's ichhamrit i can die whenever i will it doesn't speak that you become something like amara that i will not die at all no many don't understand this idea of ichhamrit this what happens when he will say that when we say swami vivekananda died on his own will immediately there are many people to criticize and say he had 32 diseases how come you say that he died on his own will we never understand the idea of utkranti that this living the body this udana vayu what happens you know is very interesting when the time of death comes there is a gap you all we feel something is some prana vayu is trying to come out but because of a tremendous attachment to our body we by ourselves never try to release release it a time comes when it, it there is no control over it it's forcefully goes away to give an example it's a very crude example but from with that you can relate this another pranavayu the apana which actually results in excretion the nature's call when you have nature's call there is certain time within which it is voluntary i can control it it is voluntary i can just go one minute earlier or one minute late but if i go on suppressing it a time will come i cannot control it because it's beyond control udana vayu is also same that when the time of death comes you know something is willing to come out those who are extremely detached they what they do what they what what do they do they will choose some auspicious time and if you read the life of bhishma when bhishma was lying on the bed of thorns it's not that he is not going to die he chose some particular time when the dakshinayan is over uttarayan starts the auspicious moment starts he will leave his body it's not that he can live forever in that bed of arrows he is choosing the time so now you will understand the concept of ichhamrittu like that swami vivekananda also knew he is going to die with all those diseases he is not going to live but he chose the time he asked for the panjika in his letters it is mentioned i am not i am in not only one there are many letters there is mentioning i won't be there to see my 40s he died at the age of 39 years 5 months and he is writing i won't be there to see my 40s not only that there are some other letters he wrote one wonderful poem on 4th july the independence day of america and that poem he is never mentioning the name of america he is saying freedom freedom the 4th of july oh 4th of july that's the date i want to be free means 
everyone thought because he was surrounded by his american disciples they thought most probably it is to celebrate the american independence day with them he has writ- he has written that poem but later it was found 4th of july was the date on which he left his body he left his body this left his mortal coil so the idea of ichamrit we will understand that it's not that he is not going to die he have understood that the time has come now he is selecting the time and living is not as we are tremendously attached even when we feel that the udanabai is going to leave off is going to just we are going to depart we by ourselves can never allow it because we are tremendously attached a time comes it forcibly goes out for most of us that's the thing happen but for the one who has developed that detachment he can do it by his own will so now you will understand the idea of utkrantiya it doesn't speak i am going to be immortal then this body is bound to fall off but when i know i do it with contemplation by choosing the time i even in our mat there are so many swamis i remember one swami was total he was unconscious the other swamis went now and then he was getting back his consciousness again he was becoming unconscious the other swamis went and tried to remind him do you recollect the name of god he used to be a very very what is that a powerful swami always used to dictate terms even in that state with full command he told still time is not there uh, still time has not come so okay and the day really he left his body he asked his sevaka for the rosary he took the rosary in his hand and asked some pillow he was lying he told just make me straight but he couldn't cannot sit he was so weak see reclined on the pillows to so that his back is straight with the rosary in his hand he left his body so this is the idea of utkranti it's not that he is going to live for eternal eternity that ichamitu doesn't mean that the die the death you can understand but you decide when to leave the body how to leave the body in high mental state so that you need not have to again come back to this worldly level of existence so that's the idea of utkranta so udanavayu not only can help you to adjust the internal body pressure to so that it finds expression as all the supernatural powers it also finds expression in some other way by that by enabling you to choose the time of your death uh, so that you pass away in a very auspicious manner so that's this 39 sutra which uh, speaks of the udana jaya when you cont- have control over the udana vayu the 40th sutra speaks of samana vayu there's another prana vayu samana jayat jwalanam samana is the conquering force is it's an, another vital force which actually speaks of metabolism so this that the vital force finds expression in so many way the respiration is prana excretion apana this vyana whenever we are doing anything in anaerobic way like mm, when you are yawning you are not taking you are not taking respiration you are stretching you are expending some energy but not with oxygen that is the vyana and udana we already spoke in the previous sutra that which maintains your internal body pressure and samana speaks of the metabolism that whatever you food you taking it is digesting assimilation this metabolism this is the samana vayu this samana vayu metabolism we at 
it also is expanded as emission of some visible light. It's a wonderful thing. Each and every creature emits some light. It's not visible. It's thousand times less than our power of vision. But there are experiments in the modern science. In Japan has done some wonderful experiments, Japan scientists, even in internet you can search, where with a very high resolution camera, they can find out the luminescence of human beings. We have a luminescence. Every creature has luminescence. But some will be having more, like the fireflies. There are about 1,500 species in the ocean, deep in the ocean where the sunlight doesn't go. So they, they need the light. They have this photoluminescence. That's how they can find their ways in the ocean, in the deep in the water where the sunlight doesn't enter. There are about 1,500 marine creatures. This, this speaks of, if it happens, it's because of the medical, the, your, uh, what you say that metabolism, the biochemical reactions which involves the free radicals that results in this luminescence. It's in every creature. But as we find there are mental modules which results in photoluminescence creatures. The one whose ego has obliterated, as we told, we can download any mental module. It may happen consciously, unconsciously. And that luminescence is also possible with particular modules which are in fireflies, in those 1,500 marine creatures. There are particular mental modules which results in that photoluminescence. And a yogi, as he has uh, detached himself from the idea that he is a human being, he has uh, reference to any of the mental modules. So he can develop those powers of luminescence by controlling over the Samana Vayu. And in the life of Sri Ramakrishna is a wonderful example. One of the Ramakrishna's guru was the Bhairavi Brahmani. She had some other disciple. Her name, uh, his name was Girija. And this Girija had that wonderful power. He could emit light. One day Ramakrishna at night had to go to some neighbors, uh, uh, in the neighboring devotee's house. His name was Jadu Malik. At night, the road was not visible and Girija was present. He told, what? I can illumine the way for you. And he became so luminous and the path was illumined. Ramakrishna then discouraged him that don't waste your power this way. And he actually, it is because of his suggestion, Girija lost the power after all, because he felt that because of this, he is, uh, his spiritual journey is getting stumbled is getting blocked. So Ramakrishna somehow helped him that way by uh, obliterating that power. But he had that power. So just we are saying this because it is something which is recorded in our spiritual history. In the spirit, there's so many in the life of Ramakrishna, in some other places, also we find the reference to this luminescence, which is not supernatural. We find in other creatures, it is there. And when your mind becomes free from the idea that you are just a limited human being. You can download any of those mental modules and they find expression through your body-mind complex. So that's the idea of Samana Jayat Jvalanam. And the 41st Sutra, the next. Srotra Akashaya Sambandha Samyamat Divyam Srotram. When you are focused on the Srotra Akasha, 
that for hearing the space is required the relation between the faculty of hearing and space when you focus on that you develop the power of divyam sotram that some divine hearing just as has happened in the life of moses he heard the 10 commandments with muhammad the entire quran is actually the hearing is from the what he heard that has been again recorded as the quran in the life of ramakrishna constantly conversing with the divine mother in swami vivekananda's life there is a wonderful record that when he had to give five six lectures per week in states after he became famous after the chicago lecture it so happened now all the lectures of swami ji was not prepared lectures it was extempore out of inspiration whatever came he will speak nothing was prepared so not, now it so happened that he started feeling that loss of ideas what to speak every day you cannot speak every day new something and he used to be exhausted he used to retire and while just retiring lying down suddenly he will hear someone speaking out all those ideas which he is supposed to speak next day he himself was bewildered when someone told most probably it is your imagination and swami ji told i myself also don't know how it happened but when you hear just like something really talking to you and there's new ideas how can you say that it is just imagination and not only that that's why he used to say very interesting thing that i am a voice without form these ideas these ideas actually came from a voice without form that's what i am channelizing so this voice without form is something you find many times swami ji is saying i'm a voice without form these ideas are coming divyam srotram how it happens that what this sutra actually means srotra akashayo sambandha with this sutra we will end today's discussion because too many ideas uh, at a time it may get uh, too saturated so this with this we will stop that srotra akashaya sambandha what it actually means that the relation between the hearing and the space we think that hearing is not possible unless the space is there because even in the inside your ear the space allows the ear drum to vibrate then only you can hear so how come the divyam srotram is possible something supernatural i hear so here that we need some expression that when i speak of akasha it's not only the akasha which i see outside there are two akashas which the yoga sutra speaks of one is the chitta akasha it's a very interesting idea that the space your so called which is the real cause of the outer space the outer space as such is not there it is a mind which is projecting this space how it is projected very interesting i look at the sky some star is far far off with the science most probably i know it is some thousands of light years away very interesting when i see that star in the sky there's such a distance how you are measuring some some perception is going in your mind which is saying it is huge distance isn't it so actually this distance which i am seeing is a mere information which is already in my mind it is already there in my mind the star is just a suggestion to just what you say that spark that information to to enlighten that information it is all hidden so all the things i am seeing is not something there outside outside 
it must be as an information already in your mind. It must be there. They're all in dark. Tamas actually means all the information which is in the dark in your mind. They themselves actually form the world. When, because of ego, I relate to that in the human body, I start seeing this external Akasha. Sound is possible only in this external Akasha, not there. That is just the information there. So what's the relation? Actual knowledge is the information. All the five senses through the sense of ego is somehow activating those information. To give an example, if I want to find some, uh, what is the information from the computer, what I do, I go to the search engine, I type something, and then the information comes. Here also, when I'm seeing a red flower, do I see the red flower just the way it is outside? No. Very interesting. It is all piecemeal perception. Very interesting. I think the entire red flower has entered through my eye. I see the red flower. No. The color has been perceived by the color perception center. Its form has been perceived by the form perception center. All those has to synthesize now. And then only I can see the complete flower. It's not that the entire flower with its color is perceived in one place. Color is perceived in one place. The form, the shape, everything is perceived in different places. Now they all has to conglomerate. Very interesting. Just to give an example, when uh, if, if there is a screen and I have to see the red flower, the red color is projected through one projector in the same place, the shape is projected and then I see the red flower. But actually what has happened, two, three projects are projecting. So similarly, there are various piecemeal perceptions. We think Tanmatra, the word Tanmatra as the subatomic particles, no. It is all these piecemeal perceptions that are the Tanmatra, Tatmatra, the redness, only the redness, only uh, something, the form, the size. You know, sometimes uh, how our mind, sometimes if it is there's abnormality, then uh, you will see all those defects and from the defects you can know the working of the mind. I will just give an example with that you will understand. The letter seven, if it is in red color, I will see it red. If it is in green color, I will see it green. But there is a disease, I forgot the name of the disease, that the seven, whatever may be the color, there are some persons, they will invariably see it as red. Whether it is green, whether it is red, whether it is black, they will see it as red. What has happened? Very interesting. The color perception center in our brain is very near to the digit perception center. And just the way we have short circuit in our circle, some short circuit has happened. Whenever they see seven, the red color gets short circuited with it. And that disease is something very interesting. The people who have the disease has a tremendous memory. You know why very interesting, why they have the tremendous memory? Because the entire textbook which they're reading is already highlighted. To memorize what we do, we underline. Oh, this is important. For them, there is no need. Everything is highlighted because all the things they're seeing in different colors and that helps them to demarcate all the ideas naturally. And they have wonderful memory. So why we are saying this? That these we all have these piecemeal perceptions. The mind is doing that, is throwing to the search engine. Search engine is the buddhi. Buddhi is the search engine. We are throwing all those piecemeal perceptions to the buddhi. And now it is downloading. Just the search from the search engine, when we give anything, it downloads. In a cosmic mind, everything is there. It is now downloaded. Now the red color, the shape, everything is being projected. Now the internet says it is a red colored flower, it says. So 
this is how all the informations are there unless i am through the mind the perception is happening they are not getting activated they are in the dark that is that tamas intense tamas is the chitta kasha it is already there but as we are limited with the ego the chitta kasha has to come association it has to come in association with the ego and then only i see this external world but when my ego gets obliterated my chitta is now free it doesn't have to go through the ears through the eyes to perceive the world because all the ideas are still there you need not have to go through your eyes the moment you are moving through your eyes through your ears you can have only a limited vision whatever limitation that sense organ has imposed you have to, your vision has to be limited by that but when you have get disidentified from your ego you are just established in the idea that you are the conscious principle you can now relate to the chitta kasha directly and from there whatever you know this all those divine personalities these are all the ideas all the mental vibrations as mental vibrations they are already there not as the form the form is the framework through which i enter there to give an example that suppose i am a devotee of mother kali you are a devotee of uh, uh, say krishna both say uh, kali is the uh, ultimate god krishna is the ultimate god most probably you say from your realization what happens ramakrishna is giving a wonderful example that the one who is meditating on kali at last what will happen the ego will obliterate the or he will get identified with the kali as we were speaking of the krishna the one who is meditating on krishna ego will obliterate and he will uh, get identified with the form of krishna ramakrishna is saying a wonderful thing that all these divine forms are the what you say is a framework which we are chiseling in the wall of ego suppose there is a wall you start chiseling out a circle in that wall when the chisel is comp- is complete there will be a circular hole through that you peep you see infinite expanse so you are seeing that infinite expanse through that circular hole instead of circular hole if i would have made it a square through the same square i would have seen the same infinite so that's what the one who is meditating on krishna has chiseled out the form of krishna in the wall of ignorance to see that infinite expanse the one who has is meditating on kali has chiseled the form of kali and seeing through that framework the same infinite expanse so that's the idea that's why all the divine forms are correct so if you start meditating on a divine form which enables you to obliterate your ego with this divine form you are going to the chitta kasha and now you hear the divine voice because those ideas are there and now that limitation of the senses are no more required you are perceiving them directly they are coming to you per being perceived by you directly you don't need the external ears to relate to them and that's what is being spoken of in this srotra akashaya sambandha samyama this akasha is two akasha what is the karana akasha the chitta akasha is the karana the causal akasha which results in this atomic akasha which we are seeing this which when i get when this karana akasha gets associated with my ego then this akasha is been projected and all the so called sounds which we hear through the ear is only limited to this akasha but that sound is not required when you are beyond the ego and relating directly to the chitta akasha it's no more related you can directly 
can access any information there. And that's what results in the Divyam Srotram. So this is the idea. We will again start from this sutra uh, to just clarify a bit more again in the next class of the 41st Sutra. So with this, we stop our discussion today. We'll continue uh, with the remaining few more sutras of this Vibhuti Pada in the next class. Thank you. Namaskars. Yeah. Um, it's not a question. I just wanted a bit more detail. So in one of the 